America. My name is Ahmed Yosef from Pong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time and usually a little bit earlier. But today we're going to talk a little bit about peonage and what it is and why it matters. Peonage is a kind of debt slavery. That means you can be controlled by debt. Right. And it's actually we spent, I don't know, three minutes on it in my high school uh, history class, if that much. And you hear the word debt peonage floating around, but nobody ever actually gives you kind of a clear apprehension of what's going on and how it's different than slavery and how it is kind of the same. Right. So I'm going to go through some moves and I think you'll be the better for it. So let's start out with what is freedom. Freedom is being able to determine yourself, self-determination, be able to determine what you are and what you're recognized as in the world, right? What you are and what you do in the world, if you, it's either determined by yourself or it's at the will and whim of somebody else, right? If it's other determined, that means, or externally determined, it's at the will or whim of somebody else. And if it's self-determined, that means you participate in forming yourself um, in what you are. Now, self-determination for finite creatures like ourselves it's going to be kind of a, it's going to be fixed. It's going to be fixed by nature. It's going to be fixed by our relationships with other people. We aren't God. We can't just think ourselves into being. I can't even fly when I want to. If I want to self-determine myself as someone who's flying, I would fail. Because self-determination is always relative when we're dealing with finite beings. If I had like that green lantern power where I could just kind of think things into being, then my determination would be um, infinite. But... Self-determination is always finite, but it is, so we're talking about what it means to contribute to making yourself what you are and not just being overdetermined by external forces. And that's what slavery was. Slavery, we didn't control our families. We didn't control what we did for our days. We didn't control how we contributed to our lives. We didn't control our bodies. We didn't control our minds, really, right? Um, and that was the characteristic feature of chattel slavery, right? Um, and the idea is when chattel slavery ended, we were free. Except there's a way in which we weren't, right? So at the end of chattel slavery, they had reconstruction. Reconstruction, black people were, or had rights and they could um, had some sort of redress and reconstruction was great. But then, you know, it made the whites nervous. The Southern whites nervous because they didn't like sharing power because they don't like sharing power. And so they, were, they terrorized free black people. And so the, <laughs> the Northern whites pulled back and said, all right, we'll abandon you to the Klan. All right, black people, you're no longer slaves, but we'll abandon you to the Klan and your former masters. Right. So in order to be part of a nation, you have to contribute to the nation. In order to eat, you have to, in order to... In order to be, you have to work, right? So the question is, who sets the terms for your work? Who sets the terms for your participation in civil life? That's, you know, market-based civil society. Who sets the terms for participation in politics? Are they set on terms that are equal with your white contemporaries, or are they set on terms that are um, subordinate and at the whim of, of, of your white um, colleagues, right? So the issue is, are we self-determining? Do we contribute at a, at a part equal to our white colleagues um, to determining who we are and how we practice religion and how we practice our families and how we participate in the market? Or do we do all of those things at the whim of the whites? 
So at the end of Reconstruction, when the, when the Northern whites abandoned the Southern blacks to the Klan, what happened was we didn't have any property. We didn't have any means to defend our, 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 any assets. And so we were once again at the whim of the whites. And how this would work is since you need to, since everybody needs to work or earn in order to have other people earn for them. Um, and we weren't able to set the terms through which we work and we weren't able to own and protect our assets, then we ended up owning on their terms and working on their terms, right? So instead of having, you know, land of our own, we rented. Instead of having mules of our own, we were loaned mules. Instead of having tools of our own, we were loaned tools. And then the conditions of being loaned those tools were that we would work and pay the white planters who owned um, a share of uh, the fruits of our labor. And that's already bad enough that we start in a condition where we have to rent from whites who only were able to get the tools in the land um, so it's, uh, because of black labor, right? Black slave labor. So we should have just been given land. We should have just been given tools or take, we should have just been reappropriated their tools that were actually ours and their land that was actually ours. But instead we had to um, uh, rent land and go into loan for tools and then pay them, the white planters, the money for the tools, right? So that's already a problem. And then you have to add in the fact that when it came down for settlement, when at the end of the harvest, uh, when the whites would take their cut of the crop, they would lie about how much we produced. And, you know, you have factors of, of you know, uh, whites going out of their way to keep black people illiterate so you couldn't actually challenge the, 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 the count and just a legal system and a sheriff where it was in the culture that black planters were allowed to defraud um, white sharecroppers. So we would give the whites a share. They would lie about how much we would give them. And so we would never actually get in the black. We would always be owed, right? And if we ever tried to run away and say like, look, I don't want to work for the, I don't like this arrangement. I'm going to go work for somebody else or get a different piece of land. The law would <laughs> be called on us for not paying back our debts. So we were forced into debt because in order to live, you need to actually, you know, produce um, goods and services for yourself. And you need goods and services provided for you or produce them yourself. And we weren't given the means to produce them ourselves. So we had to rent um, those goods, goods and services from others. And then they set the terms of the payback. And it was always an infinite payback. This was the difference between white sharecroppers and black sharecroppers. White, share white sharecroppers would get a fair evaluation, insofar as there is a thing, of the harvest at the end so they could actually find, like, buy their way out and buy their way into autonomy. Black sharecroppers weren't ever able to contest the settlement procedure, right? So... Um, peonage is being controlled by your debt. You need to undertake debt in order to live, in order to, you know, feed your family and, you know, have furnishings for your house. You need to undertake debt. And then once you undertake debt, 
you're in control of the person who, uh, you know, gave you the goods and services, right? And you can never work your way out of it. Whereas the whites could work their way out of it, black people couldn't. So you're functionally um, in debt to the person who initially offered you the credit. Now, it would be one thing if you could either file bankruptcy or find alternative ways to pay off the credit, but you couldn't, right? You couldn't, right? You couldn't say like, all right, so I'll pay this off, but I'll pay it off by working for this person instead of that person. No, they dictated um, not only how much the debt was, they dictated how you were going to pay it off. And by the way, if you want a good rehearsal of this, go ahead and get Leon Litwick's, Leon Litwack's Trouble in Mind about the Jim Crow South. So the whites dictated not only how much you were to pay, but how you were to pay it off. And it would be, be working for particular whites. So you couldn't even set the whites against each other and try to, argue, and try to bargain for the best uh, like working conditions for you to pay off the debt. Right. So it'd be one thing if you could set like the white employers in competition with each other for your service. But no, that was disallowed. Right. Because the whites were in cahoots. And so that was, that was functionally debt peonage, which still puts you indirectly um, at the whim of your debtor. So you're no longer at the, you no longer live at the whim of your slave um, master. You live at the whim of the same person who is now your creditor, right? Who is now your creditor. But they still control every aspect of your life. Because they control, like, how you earn the food for your family. They can control how much disposable income you have and whether you can send your kids to school. If they decide that you aren't making enough for the harvest, they can say that, like, you, you pull your kid out of school or I'm going to kick you off this land and make sure that you can't get land anywhere else. So you end up taking your kid out of school and that kid works the harvest for you. They till the ground. So your family life is still determined by your white master. And like I said, it would be one thing if you own the land yourself and could make decisions. But no, that, that discretion is made of, from your white master because they, the, they are the ones who can kick you off the land or throw you in jail for not um, paying off your debt in the way that they want you to pay off the debt. Not just not paying off your debt, not pay it off in the way that they want you to pay it off. Right? You can't work for somebody else. Right? And so it's the debt plus the fraud that separates um, uh, black peonage slavery, black pe debt peonage, from white sharecropping where they could pay off the debt any way they wanted to. Right? Because it was, with black communities, it was more about social control. And it's social control through debt. Right? So not only did they, it was an indefinite amount of debt because you would always end up in the red. It was debt that they controlled how you were allowed to pay it off. And that's what makes it slavery. Right? You weren't allowed to go do a different job. You weren't allowed to quit because if you quit, they would call the law after you for not paying off the debt. Right? And you weren't allowed to not pay off debts. Or not, you weren't allowed to not incur debts because that was the way you got anything. And with vagrancy laws, you had to have things and you had to have cash in order to not be in jail. 
Now, conflict leasing is another way in which the whites use the state in order to, um, uh, you know, extract black labor and control, you know, black families and all of that. That's when they just pick you up on any sort of law, vagrancy law for not having enough and then or any sort of minor law and then put you to work. Right. Even black on black crime. They, they would just like they would use that as an excuse to pick you up and and prosecute you and in, in order to put you to a work camp. Right. So that's convict leasing. But that's different than debt peonage because debt peonage happened to freed people who were not actually convicts. But it's still, uh, you know, debt peonage, it's the debt plus the fraud. It's the enforced debt plus the fraud that you can't write off and debt that needs to be paid off in a certain way that's dictated by the creditor. It's still the creditor determining your life. And insofar as they determine how many hours you need to work and what kind of work you do, they determine your family's life. And insofar as they could sell that debt to another creditor, they're determining where your family is and how your family lives. Right? Because if they sell your debt to somebody else, then you either pay off that debt the way that somebody else wants you to pay it off, or they'll send the law after you for the debt. Right? So it's not, it's not necessarily different in effect than... Um, than, than chattel slavery, they just didn't have direct control over you, right? And you put that with a culture that didn't actually, that you had to prove, you put that with a culture where you're not allowed to speak ill of the whites, and you had to prove um, to a white jury that, um, uh, that you were being defrauded, and it's functionally the same. It's functionally the same as chattel slavery. So that's what debt peonage is. It's controlling people through debt and not just controlling how much debt you owe, but how you're allowed to pay it off. Right. Um, and that's the, that was the situation of black life. It's an indirect kind of control as opposed to a convict leasing program or a chattel slavery program where like, they have direct control over you now it's just like we'll starve you out you'll will will you are you will be bereft of all goods and services unless you and like undertake this debt and then once you undertake this debt you're in control of this one master right um, it's kind of, you know, there's a way in which free agency, before there was free agency in professional sports, it's kind of the same. You should uh, go and watch, uh, there's a documentary on Kurt Flood. I didn't know about this until about two years ago. Kurt Flood and, um, and kind of the birth of free agency, he just didn't like being traded around. <laughs> he didn't like being owned. And the birth of free agency, and there's kind of a, a kind of, if you want to play baseball, you have to play baseball on these terms. And for black people in the South, it was, if you want to live, you have to like be drafted by some owner and then that owner owns you and they own the condition of your service. Right. And the alternative to that, because I'm a big fan of working, I think in order to be a part of a nation, you need to work. The alternative to that is being able to pick how you contribute of the finite ways of contributing, being able to pick how you contribute and then being able to negotiate with the, you know, others as colleagues and partners in the project of citizenship on the ways in which you're allowed to contribute so that everybody gets what they need 
and can and and in a finite way determine who they are. Right? No one gets to just do whatever they want to when they want to. Um, but the question is, are you involved? How are you involved in the decision-making process that decides what kind of occupations there are available and what kind of way you get to um, uh, contribute and for the benefit of whom? For black people, they weren't in, they weren't in control of what kind of occupations they could join and they weren't in control of they didn't have a fair say and um either whom they worked for or if they worked for themselves because they didn't have assets like a fair system would have been securing black people 40 acres and a mule or letting them compete and if they don't want to uh, have their own farm letting them compete uh for uh, employment among a host of of employers right but if you don't let black people compete and you don't give them a stake in their own ownership then it's functionally debt slavery you just you don't even get to pick your owner or set your owners against each other that's what free agency does free agency allows people to set the 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 athletes to set the owners against each other and compete for with each other for um, you know, the services of the athletes. Without that, you just are under the owner's dictates and at the owner's whim. And if they want to sell you, you're just sold. Right? So, um, peonage is a thing. It's different from convict leasing. I might do a show on convict leasing later. But we don't talk about peonage enough. And we don't talk about control through debt. Because anytime you don't have control over how you participate in society, you're under a form of other determination. And this control is not going to be absolute unless you're God, but it needs to be, you need to be able to control how you participate in, in, in society at a par with others who have designs on how you uh, participate in society, right? And you need like, you know, and if others control how you participate on society, they also control how you participate in the family because if they have you in the field all the time, or if they have you and your family on the field on the time, then they're controlling how you participate in society and they're controlling your family, right? So the idea is that black people need to be able to control their family. They need to be able to control how they participate in society. And they need to, and that means they need to be able to do all of these things on a par with their um, white counterparts. This is why I always talk about black people not owning commercial real estate. If you don't own commercial real estate, you're not really participating in America on a par with your white colleagues. You're always like leasing from them and they get to de determine the, the, um, the dictates. And I, you know, and I, I might have talked about this on the last show. A lot of these shops, um, closed shops you see, boarded up um, commercial real estate shops you see, are, are because they're owned, the same family owns like an entire block of commercial real estate. And they only need one person to pay the lease so that they can afford to pay the taxes on the, the rest of the block. And if they can afford to pay the taxes on the rest of the block, they can hold the rest of the block uh, closed until someone else meets their price, right? And so that's kind of a, a lineage. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do another show on lineage next week because lineage is important and we, we misunderstand the role of lineage and kind of understanding who we are. But uh, this show's on debt. I hope peonage makes sense. It's control through debt and it's controlling not only how much debt you incur, but it's controlling how you're allowed to pay it off. 
Um, and if someone controls how much debt you are, you must take on in order to be, and they control how you're allowed to pay it off, or if you're allowed to ever pay it all off, then you functionally aren't self-determining. You are owned by the person who controls what you do, and they control what you do through controlling your debt. You can, and there's no option not to take on debt, because if there's an option not to take on debt, that's where you get like vagrancy laws, right? Um, so you're like, well, I don't, I won't have anything. Well, then you'll get uh, caught up by the, they'll call the police on you for being a vagrant, right? This is America. Everything costs, right? So this is one reason why I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of a federal job guarantee as an economic condition for, um, uh, political freedom, because if, if, and why I need people to have assets, people need to have independent assets. So at any point in time, they can work for themselves. Or if they don't want to work for themselves, they can work for somebody else, but they have options, right? And they're not always under the sway of some master. And people need to be able to choose how they're going to pay off their debt. So, you know, freedom self-determination is kind of a complicated affair. And you need to kind of understand the forms of unfreedom. You're unfree if you can't pick your boss. You're not unfree because you have to work. Everyone has to work. But if you can't pick your boss, even yourself as a boss, then um, you're, you're unfree, right? Because you're at the whim of other people. So with debt peonage, you weren't, you, weren't free because, you weren't unfree because necessarily you had to pay a debt. You were unfree because you couldn't even decide how you were going to pay the debt, right? You were in pre-free agent you know, Major League Baseball, a pre-free agent. You were just owned by your owner, and they decide if you wanted to play baseball, you, you had to play this way. Right? And for, you know, the sharecroppers in Jim Crow South, if you wanted to live, living takes money, and the only way to learn money, you had to earn money this way. You weren't allowed to set the owners against you, uh, against each other to, um, to, uh, uh, to compete for terms that you would then agree to. And you weren't allowed to own yourself. And if they heard rumors, they might let you um, pay back some of the debt. But if they heard rumors that you would pay back it all or that you, pay, you plan to pay it all back and, you know, uh, own your own plot, then the fraud would come in and keep you in hock. And this, you know, this isn't that long ago. You talk to any black person in the South, they'll, they'll tell you about their parents and their grandparents who were in some form of debt peonage. Um, so people think this is ancient history. It's like, no, this is present. And in a world where lineage matters. And I, yeah, next show I'll do another show on lineage and I'll just talk about lineage matters because we underestimate the importance of lineage both on like how much of our life is geared towards preserving like a quality and a kind of life for our children and how much, and how much of that depends on preserving a memory of our past. Um, and so, you know, this is why people are in such arms about Confederate monuments and, and they need a certain sort of past in order to think about themselves in a certain sort of way in order to, uh, you know, give to their children in a certain sort of way. It's all about lineage protection. So thank you for your time. And I will talk to you next week. By the way, if you appreciate anything I'm doing, which I think you should, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month. 
for me to keep doing what I'm doing because depending on who you talk to, I'm making the whites very uncomfortable. Downright unemployable, I'm making myself, but I'm doing it for the cause and I'm doing it for the people. And I'm doing it for you to understand the different ways this world is trying to entrap you. It's trying to entrap you by getting you under debt and it's also trying to entrap you by telling you how you must pay off this debt. It's not trying to entrap you by getting you to work per se because everyone has to work in order for nations to be nations and for societies to be societies. And I'm not, I'm not an anti-work person. I think people should work. It's, it's trying to entrap you by dictating the terms, unilaterally dictating the terms of your work. You want to come say hi to the people? This is why. Uh, hello. Say hello. Hi. Hello. This is my daughter. Uh, Graham. Graham. Now, someday in the next 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised if Graham gives one of these talks and it'll be thrilling because she's a very, 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 very bright young woman. Are you a very, very, very bright young woman? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So let me finish this up and I will be with you and we'll talk some chess. How's that? read together you would rather read together all right we'll find something to do all right thank you for your time and i bye bye and i'll see you next week talking about lineage and the importance of lineage i do what i do so that she becomes the kind of person that we all hope that she becomes and that's you know that's this life that's the meaningful aspects of this life all right thank you for your time and i will talk to you next week bye